<laughs> you are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Treesong. And we thought we'd bring you a little happy kids playing in water because, you know, just a reminder that it is summer. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, it, today is winter. But yeah, we're back to winter today, but we had <laughs> summer for a little while. <laughs> so, um, let's go into the horrible things in the world. <laughs> I added one. I don't know if you know this. Bainan versus Tillerson. Oh. <laughs> They've decided to fight it out. Yeah. I haven't read about it. I heard about it, but I haven't read the articles yet. I mean, who would have thought? The CEO of Exxon in the cabinet seemed like the worst thing ever. Hmm. I still don't condone or support it. But when the rest of the internal staff became public, woo, self-described economic nationalist, I win if you lose. <laughs> Stephen Bainan hates the Paris Agreement, and he's m taking the argument to drop out of the Paris you know, he's, I mean, he's literally taking it to drop out all the way up to the Oval Office. Yeah. And Saturday Night Live did cover it, if you want to catch, it, you know, the proper news. <laughs> yeah. Real Tillerson news. is on the other side of the table. As an engineer and the 41-year veteran of Exxon, I'm kind of glad to have that voice in our corner, yeah. even though, like, when he was with Exxon, he was against the Paris Agreement. Yeah. You know you're living in the dark timeline when Rex Tillerson is the only one advocating for <laughs> keeping the Paris Climate Accord. Um, if you would like to read the article, it is in the New York Times yesterday. Yeah. So we are on top of the news. Climate change trumps evil. Wait. Yeah. Well, I wonder if they didn't read up on him fully before they nominated him. Because, you know, as you said, Exxon has this long history of climate denialism. But they have been trying to, like at least acknowledge that climate change exists recently. Um, so maybe he's actually doing that in the White House now. Well, no, he's not. <laughs> he's basically saying if we pull out... If we pull out now... It will create more chaos than if we just, like, don't do anything. Yeah. Basically. It's just well, yeah, like because he's... Uh, the reason why a lot of the people in the industry are starting to support the idea of a carbon tax is because it's predictable. You know, they you just have a single tax. They try to make it as low of a tax as possible <laughs> so that they don't have to actually pay much money. And then they're done. But if you don't have that tax, if you don't have the climate accords, it just becomes chaos. You know, there's going to be different states handling it differently and different countries handling it differently. So, yeah, he's, it's not like he's had a change of heart and he's just really caring about everyone affected by climate change. He's a businessman and he wants, he wants his industry to... Uh, Make a lot of money. <laughs> now, we usually talk about world news, but we have world news as reported in the Southern Illinois newspaper. Yes. Southern Illinois and breaking world news here. So, false spring could spell trouble for crops and bees. Earlier this month, the signs emerged one by one. The crocuses came up, then the magnolias bloomed, spring peepers started chirping in the marshes. Temperatures in the soared. marshes? Yeah, in the marshes. <laughs> like yes. uh, yeah, temperatures soared into the 70s, and springtime, it seemed, was here. Except not really. I thought it was summertime. Yeah, it, there was a day where it felt like actually summer. I was too warm. Except and, not really. Yeah, it's not really spring yet, though. What? Well, southern Illinois has experienced record-shattering temperatures this February. But is the fall spring attributable to climate change, or is it just a random burst of se unseasonable weather? Well, I mean, it's a long-term trend of hot, you know, so I can dispute that one. Yeah. 
Well, so Justin Schuff, a climatologist and the chair of the Geography and Environmental Resources at Southern Illinois University, Carbondale, said the study of climate change involves two parts, detection and attribution. The Here's a quote. The detection part is, is there a change? Have we measured it? That's easy to answer. The oceans are warming. The middle atmosphere is warming. Ice caps are melting. We have lots of different examples of warming in the system that tell us, yes, this is happening, he said. But when it comes to attributing a single event like this year's spring to climate change, experts tend to exercise caution. That's because there are natural fluctuations in weather over time. Quote, if the world were five degrees Celsius warmer than it is today, you would still have cold winters once in a while. You would still have dry summers and wet summers. You would still have droughts and floods. You'd still have heat waves. You'd still have cold waves, Schuff said. One metric used to assess seasonality is called the frost-free frost season length which is the number of days between the last freeze in the spring and the first freeze in the fall. Quote, that has increased in Illinois by about a week in the last hundred years, so that's substantial, Schuff said. So even though the spring is coming earlier and earlier on average, there are still years we have a late freeze. And the damaging part, then, is when you have a warm period and then a freeze. These are referred to as false springs. So that's what we're experiencing now. So yeah, that's a problem if you still have the freezes that are happening a little later and spring, the signs of spring start getting earlier, that's going to be bad for a lot of those organisms they just mentioned, the, the flowering plants, the... Well, it's going to be bad for us when the ticks come out and the mosquitoes. I got bit by a mosquito last week. I oh, mean, yeah. it's... Mosquitoes well, I was going to say it's yet, February. But, <laughs> it's March now, at least. Yeah, but yeah, that's a problem and it affects the humans, too, when... Things like the peaches, for example. The last time we had a big fall spring, it's wiped out a lot of the peach plants. Yeah, because they all bloomed, and if we actually have a deep freeze now, it will kill all those blooms. And in case, you know, you're not a whatever it is, a bloom, a flower actually is a fruit. Yeah. It becomes a fruit. And if those things freeze, there is no fruit at all, yeah. right? So yeah. I was actually reading a study of a town that they had built the town high enough up in the mountain to be out of the mosquito area. <laughs> yeah. But now it's warmed up, and all of a sudden they're getting all these diseases because the mosquitoes are encroaching into the town. Yeah, the mosquitoes are invading. It's like, so. So, yeah, even though any one particular instance of a really warm spring event, you can't, it's hard to attribute that entirely to climate change, but the trend uh, is definitely a related trend. So I, I thought that was a really good, interesting discussion in local media about climate change. We, it seems like we often don't talk about climate change outside of <laughs> maybe this radio show. The climate. Show. Yeah. <laughs> Just like. But Southern Illinois is definitely talking about it now with this fall spring. Now, t to go on to world, massive permaculture, permaculture, <laughs> massive permafrost thaw documented in Canada pretends uh, to a huge carbon release. Huge slabs of Arctic permafrost in northwest Canada are slumping and disintegrating, sending large amounts of carbon-rich mud and silt into streams and rivers. A new study that analyzed nearly a half million square miles in northwest Canada found that this permafrost decay is affecting only 52,000 square miles of that vast stretch of earth. Yeah, no big deal. That's not a lot. It's only an expanse the size of Alabama, but, you know, Alabama doesn't care. According to researchers with the Northwest Territories Geological Survey, 
The permafrost collapse is intensifying and causing landslides into rivers and lakes that can choke off life downstream all the way to where the rivers discharge into the Arctic Ocean. Similar large-scale landscape changes are evident across the Arctic, including in Alaska, (laughs) Siberia, and Scandinavia. The researchers wrote in a paper published in the journal Geology in early February. The study didn't address the issue of greenhouse gas releases from thawing permafrost, but its findings could help qualify the intense global scale of the thawing, which could contribute to more accurate estimates of carbon emissions. Permafrost is land that has basically been frozen, stretching back to, you know, the last ice age. Yeah. You know, about 10,000 years ago. As the Arctic warms at twice the global rate, the long frozen soils thaw and decompose, releasing the trapped greenhouse gases into the air. Scientists estimate that the world's permafrost holds twice as much carbon as the atmosphere. So that's scary. The new study was aimed at measuring the geographical scope of thawing permafrost in northwest Canada. Using satellite images and other data, the team studied the edge of the former Laurentide Ice Sheet, a vast expanse of ice that covered two-thirds of North America during the last ice age. The disintegration of the permafrost was visible in 40 to 60 mile wide swaths of terrain, showing that, quote, extensive landscapes remain poised for major climate-driven change, end quote. All right, here's a quote from the lead scientist on the Canadian mapping project. Quote, things have taken off. Global warming is now making that happen. It's exactly what we would expect with climate change, and the maps that we produced clearly indicated it's not just a random pattern. We're sort of connecting dots here for the scientific community. So, yeah. So, and that's even though this particular study didn't quantify how much additional methane may be released, it is the fact that we're seeing so much more thawing is raising the concern that there is a lot of. Uh, extra emission going on. And it'll take future studies to determine exactly how much, but all of the th- all of that permafrost thawing <laughs> is not going to be good for the climate. I mean, no matter how much it is, it's an oh, <laughs> yeah, something moment. You know, it's like um, if they have twice as much carbon in the ice than we have in the atmosphere, yeah. and right now we're already past the point of no return. Yeah, so <laughs> if even a small portion of that is released... It's, well, it's, they use the term carbon bomb, you know, that it's, it's, it's like a bomb. If suddenly within the span of a couple of years you have a large amount of methane released, that's going to be a very negative impact on our climate projections. All right, now that we've depressed everybody, let's talk about some good things that are happening. We just wrapped up Black History Month. Did you know that there are people shaping the climate movement? Yeah, this article says, Meet Eight Black Leaders Who Are Reshaping the Climate Movement. And I was glad to see this article because some of the most prominent voices that you see often in the media about climate are... Uh, Rich white people? Rich white people. Oh, no, well, (laughs) you know, people who have free time to, like, you know, be activists. Yeah, but here are eight uh, black leaders who are reshaping the climate movement. And I also like the fact that it, it shows a variety of ways to be involved in the climate movement as well. So the, if you want the full article, you can get our newsletter at info at yourcommunityspirit.org or visit grist.org. 
we can pull out a few little details here. Um, the first one is Nikissa Glover, who holds a biology degree from University of North Carolina at Charlotte and has been working with the National Climate Justice Organizer for the Hip Hop Caucus, where she deals with issues like voter suppression, economic empowerment, environmental justice, and human rights on behalf of underserved communities. Because it's drawing the connections between the fact that if you have voters being suppressed, if you have people being disempowered economically, then they're not going to be able to resist the, these dirty projects in their communities. And here's a quote from uh, Nikissa. Uh, Climate justice and social justice need each other. What is the point of clean air, clean water, and green grass if the people of the world are dying at the hands of social justice ills? Conversely, what's the point of solving all the social justice issues if the people are going to die because there's no clean air or clean water? We've got to solve both together. Recognizing this has been the most pivotal, transformational achievement for me in my work. Well, I like it that there's a lot of young people in this group. Yeah, actually, at the thought as I was reading this, I was like, "Well, half of these people are younger than me. I gotta pick <laughs> up my like, <laughs> pick up my activism." You know, it's just like you're, you're in your twenties and you're in this nonprofit and you're doing all these things, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're they're mostly in their thirties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's at least one in their twenties, mostly in their thirties. I think one in their forties, and uh, yeah. So. This article is good for people to look at, too, for inspiration. If you're saying, well, I'm kind of interested in climate justice, I don't know where I will connect, then one of these stories may be an inspiration for you. Tina Johnson. Johnson is the policy director at U.S. Climate Action Network, where she works with environmental organizations to advocate for policy, pushing U.S. leaders to support measures like the Paris Climate Agreement, or organizing green groups to take part in demonstrations like the People's Climate March. She has worked on issues including education reform, economic justice, and climate change. Her quote, My inspiration for working on issues concerning climate change and clean energy came from what I saw during Katrina in New Orleans and other communities in the Gulf region of the United States. I was struck by the unpreparedness of the city, the federal government, and especially the people. The most vulnerable in the region were the most impacted. I started looking around my own community and began to understand that climate change impacts are a real threat to communities who do not even know it. Providing a clean energy future is providing a livable planet for generations to come, and I want it to be part of the solution. She misspelled solution. It doesn't say solution. <laughs> soul. Yeah, yeah, that's my... <laughs> soul is in sun, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like... Yeah. So, yep. Um, these are profoundly inspirational people that have stepped forward and are working to help us. Yeah. And I'm glad that we're, men we're actually mentioning it outside of Black History Month, too, because we shouldn't just relegate all such conversations to February. <laughs> we can spend the whole year celebrating black leaders. Well, I thought this one was, is inspirational. Esther Ngombi. Ngombi grew up in a rural farming community on the Kenyan coast where heat and drought were devastating farms. Passionate about agriculture science, she studied hard in school and became the first girl in her community to earn a Ph.D., she now works as a researcher at Auburn University, where she is applying her knowledge to make droughts more, crops more drought-resistant. Here's her quote. 
My challenges and experience I faced growing up inspired me to pursue a career in agriculture, a career that would allow me to contribute meaningful solutions that help farmers grow food amongst the changing climate. As concerns about food security increase, soil bacteria could be the next key tool for food security, helping millions of farmers around the world increase yields under a changing climate. I'll have to disagree with the increased yields. I think it's maintain something <laughs> because this um, chaotic weather is really affecting um, the ability for farmers to grow. Yeah. Now, this absolutely warm spring is making it that farmers are already out there plowing their fields. But if the bugs aren't killed because of the it wasn't cold enough this winter, yeah. they could plant an absolutely good crop and then later in the year it get devastated by bugs because none of them got killed when it got cold. So yeah. I absolutely enjoy cold weather because I remind myself, it's killing the bugs, it's killing the bugs. I'm not very, you know, <laughs> nice that way. Yeah. Well, that's I do not the, like ticks. <laughs> yeah. That's part of the ecology. That's part of what the cold weather does in our region is it kills off the bugs and the mosquitoes and all that. So we've got one more story here before we get into the happenings. Bipartisan effort seeks to double Minnesota's renewable energy standard. Minnesota's renewable energy standard would increase to 50% by 2030 under a bipartisan plan unveiled Monday by Lieutenant Governor Tina Smith. The state's current renewable energy standard, or RES, stands at 25% by 2025. It's almost like they were doing, uh, <laughs> you know, going with the numbers, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's, they might have actually, I wonder if they picked it for that reason, and now as Just it gets closer, they're like, let's double it. We can do it. It's <laughs> Just like... So the standard was established in 2007. And they're not doubling from 25% by year 25 to 50% by year 50. They're going to 50% by year 30. Yeah, by 2030. So yeah, so. Accelerating. So in a prepared statement, Smith said that 10 years ago, the state enacted the Bipartisan Next Generation Act and provided, proved that we can have affordable, reliable, and clean energy. Today, because of bipartisan leadership and a sustained effort, more than 21% of Minnesota's electricity comes from renewable sources. So they've already made it to 21%. That may have helped encourage them to go for this higher 50 goal. Right, because their, their, their original one was 25% by year 25, and we're not there yet. And they're almost there with their goal already. Yeah. So here's the final quote. If we redouble our efforts and raise Minnesota's renewable energy standard to 50% by 2030, we will improve air quality, continue to drive down the cost of renewable energy, and generate thousands of new energy jobs, end quote. Yes. So that's, uh, that, that particular thing is happening in states all across the world, but, yeah. you know, especially here in the U.S. So because people are realizing that clean energy helps the environment but more than that helps the budget yeah helps the budget helps jobs helps communities avoid pollution too in many cases so let's get into some of these holidays today is caregiver appreciation day it's also employee appreciation day now hopefully every day you appreciate your employees <laughs> i want you to be happy day and if pets had thumbs day <laughs> what a strange world that would be yeah it's like Peach Blossom Day. Oh, yeah. We've got to be mindful of those peach blossoms. We were just talking about that. Hopefully National Anthem Day and National Salesperson Day. And coming up, we've got Holy Experiment Day. 
and it's also Hug a GI Day, mm-hmm. so that could be your experiment. Yeah, Hug a GI and see how much love it may bring into their lives. So let's see. We have oh, Dentist Day is coming up on Monday. Dentist Day. You skipped Multi Personality Day. <laughs> yeah. Your other personality was the one that knew about it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just like National Frozen Food Day, National Crown Roast of Pork Day. Okay. Be Nasty Day, <laughs> International Working Women's Day. Maybe they go together now because you know they're they're saying. The, yeah. I wonder if that's a new holiday. Yeah, I wonder if that's a new one too. Actually, that's interesting. It, it didn't have. I actually clicked on it. It didn't have the origins of the holiday. <laughs> <Just so. like laughs> but International Working Women's Day, and a lot of lot of things happening in March. It's Irish American Month, uh, Music in Our Schools Month, uh, National Craft Month. Uh, let's see. National Women's History Month. National Women's History and Month. Social Workers Month. Social Workers Month. Red Cross Month. Yeah. Yep. So, a lot of months to celebrate. Music in Our Schools Month. Yeah. There we go. In Happenings. Natured, nurtured by nature. Natured by nature. Nurtured <laughs> by nature. Photo exhibit. That's today. Wait a second. It's March? Yeah. March 3rd. We've marched into March already. 6 to, 9 p- 6 to 8 p.m. at Nest Arts. This is a public art reception for three Southern Illinois photographers at Nest Arts in downtown Carbondale. Greeting spring with the celebration of imagery from our beautiful Southern Illinois landscape. Yes, and coming up on Saturday, <laughs> excuse me, we have the Winter Indoor Community Farmers Market on Saturday, 9 a.m. to noon at the Carbondale Community High School. Now, it's still a winter market throughout the end of March, so they will still be indoors, um, e- even if it's nice out. I think it's going to be cold again tomorrow, but... Um, Regardless of whether it's a fall, spring, whether they will be indoors there at the Community Farmer's Market with all sorts of delicious goodies. All Species Puppet Making Workshop, Saturday, March 4th at 10 a.m. at 121 South Illinois Avenue in Carbondale. They will guide you in making a puppet representing a species that you love, want to celebrate and protect, plant or animal, Carry on a bamboo stick or wear. Attached to your body, your bike, or your cart. This is an all-ages event, and all are welcome to join. Puppet making, of course, is in preparation for the all-species puppet parade on Earth Day, April 22nd. The actual parade begins at the Life Community Center and ends at Turley Park, where they'll have an Earth Day celebration. So Yes, and that's been a great local tradition for several years now. I've heard some of the puppetistas are also excited that there will be um, the People's Climate March coming up the following weekend so they can make their puppets for all species and then also use it again for the Climate March. There you go. We also have coming up the Peace and Justice Vigil coming up on Saturday at noon at the Carbondale Town Square Pavilion. Protect justice and equality for all. Uh, we are all immigrants, no mass deportations, no Muslim band is the theme for the, the vigil. Peace and Justice Coalition is scheduled the vig- vigil for noon to 1 p.m. at the corner of Illinois and Maine in Carbondale. Um, they're, ca- they're calling people to make America great, uh, you know, uh, b- their own take on that, with things like uh, building bridges, not walls, welcoming refugees, loving our Muslim neighbors, respecting immigrants, Ending mass deportations. 
They will have some appropriate signs provided, but everyone is invited to bring their own. The Peace Coalition monthly meeting will follow the vigil at Cristado's Cafe and Bakery. So that's Saturday at noon at the Carbondale Town Square Pavilion. Painting Party. Give character to an old picture. Saturday, March 4th at 4 p.m. at 214 North Washington Street in Carbondale. Bring an old painting to add something to it and give it character. Pick up a cheap old boring painting from a thrift store or bring one that you're not sure why you even have it laying around. Mm. Bring your own paint or and paint for free or bring a donation of $2 if you need paint to use. They'll start at 2. They'll start at 4 p.m. I've been editing things wrong a lot today, like mm. saying the wrong times and dates. We'll start at 4, have music and a judgment-free environment. This isn't a class where you have to have a certain level of skills, just people hanging out and painting together. It's going to be f- great. There may even be some free snacks. Mm. That sounds like fun on Saturday. I, and it's I like that idea because I've seen online these pictures of people who take these photos or these paintings and they add like weird fantasy creatures to them. <laughs> so it's some sort of traditional looking pastoral scene and there's like an alien coming over the hills. It's like That's what I would do. <laughs> also on Saturday... Now, listen carefully, because if you want to go to this, I have two tickets to go to this. Oh. The Southern Illinois Community Fundraiser. This is called Night at the Races. This is a rotary fundraiser to raise money to give to all the charities in our community. Basically, you go, have fun. You get to, quote-unquote, gamble on old uh, horse races from the 70s <laughs> where they make up, you know, names for the horses yeah. and win prizes. Um, I have two tickets. Give a call. What's our number? 618-457-3691. Yes. 618-457-FM91. I want to see who can give me a name of a, 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 a fake name of a horse. Mm, yeah. And I, I've, I'm sure if, if people know me, They'll figure out what names I would pick. So I have two tickets. Give a call. If we don't get them by the end of the show, I'll announce it again. Yeah. Other happenings. Yes. We've only got a minute left here, but Labyrinth Walk is coming up on Sunday at 7.30 a.m. at the Labyrinth Peace Park. It's a monthly walk on the first Sunday of the month. Sign-making party resist. Monday, March 6th at 3 p.m. at Guy House. Join forces to share resources and create signage for upcoming events here in Carbondale. There's a bunch of events for, example, the Standing Rock Native Nations March, March for the Southern for Science Southern Illinois, People's Climate March of Southern Illinois, a day without women. So come and make signs Monday at 3 p.m. at Guy House. And also at Guy House on Tuesday at Guy House, the Transportic Playground, Tuesday at 8.30, and they're celebrating a day without women. Um, that's the theme. So they're going to be reading poetry by women and um, honoring the march on Washington that's calling for a day without women. Tuesday at 8.30 at Kai House. I have two flyers I want to talk about. MyFreeTaxes.com in partnership with United Way. Basically, you have to make less than $64,000 and you can file your taxes for free. MyFreeTaxes.com. And if you need any resources, food, employment, housing, there's a great resource called 211. All you have to do is dial 211. It's also a 24-hour 
suicide prevention hotline. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you need any type of resources, you call them, even home repair, and if you want to help, they have volunteer opportunities. Basically, this is a way to contact two the resources in our community and help. You have been listening to Your Community Spirit, the Mm -hmm. show about caring, sharing, and preparing. I'm Ord Energymon. And this is Tree Song. And we'll be back here a little bit warmer, a little bit springier. It is March. Yes. And we'll be talking next week about the Standing Rock Native Nations March, which is on the 10th at 4 Mm p.m. Stay energized.